Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. But this morning, as I was going to preach, I got sent a video that was being shown at our Century City launch. And it's a video of Henry and Jeannie George, who have been a part of this church for 20 years. Who knows 20 years is a long time? It's like a long time. If you can survive 20 years in a church and not survive, but thrive, as you'll see from the video, they are like fresh and full of life. But you know, in 20 years, you've had every chance for offense. You have every chance for disappointment, every chance for challenge, every chance for any of those things to happen. You'll see that the Bible promises in the psalm says, actually plant yourself in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. I'm going to ask us to show you, these are our preachers this morning. They're going to speak for 10 minutes and tell some of the story and the life story of Life Changes Church. And I want to make a few key points for us out of that. But open up your hearts wide and allow God to speak as we share some of the story and the background to this story and what God has done. Hi, I'm Jeannie George, married to my handsome husband, Henry George, and we've been at Life Changes Church for 20 years. It wasn't a, um, an experience uh, walking to a, a little a library, a little hall, and sitting down with about 12 people or so. I can't remember exactly how many people there were there. I said to Jeannie, I think we found our home. And there we are, after 20 years, we're still there. The wonderful thing that really struck me for when we went to um, that church was the warmth. We had the plot and construction was already taking place uh, when we were meeting in the Bloberg Library Hall when we went. And uh, we used to gather there for prayer meetings and I was fascinated by that because there you'd have this group of believers praying out aloud. There'd be children. It was a real family time praying and praying and on the in the other section you'd have these workers hammering away chipping away at all the stone and I was quite fascinated by that um, and yes we'd prayer walk around the building uh, which was amazing. Yeah, I remember when we started building um, Wally used to um, ask us to come in and play on the site as soon as once the roof had gone up and uh, we'd play there at, at night and it would be raining with no windows, no doors, and just these uh, columns and a roof over our heads, and we'd get wet. But we prayed, uh, and uh, yeah, we, we, we got prayed, and God answered our prayers. Uh, we used to have empty seats in, in, the, in the church, and we used to pray over them. It's amazing that uh, we reaped the benefit of that. People used to come um, as a result of that, so the mm. power of the invitation. It was such a sense of community and family and wanting a desire to see God at work. He provided a facility and um, just to, to wait upon him in prayer, prayerfully wait upon him for him to bring in the lost souls and, and even people who already knew the Lord who had moved into the area and um, it grew and look where we are today. Being at, at Table View for such a long time, really being cemented in there and as I said she was really like um, my, a baby, and I saw this daughter grow and blossom. The more we prayerfully considered it and we got excited because we'd seen what God had been doing in Tableview, and if He could do it there, then He's got more plans for her to grow her, so we definitely felt that that's where we would go, we would shoulder together. So it's all about not following the person, 
it's actually following after what God had planned and prayerfully considering it. And um, having to hand over my daughter was like handing over a bride uh, to her groom and um, then moving on with God and just shouldering together there and planting together and then being so excited after the first couple of um, services to see how God, He's the one who builds His church and He adds people to the number. And then you get excited about that and you think, no, look, we want to be a part of this, this picture. It was a bit challenging in, in the school hall because, I mean, there was a lot of cleaning up to do certain Sundays when they had functions at the, at the school, etc. So that was no mean task. But um, as I said, the, the beautiful working together of God's people and I think just seeing the bigger picture and knowing that this is just going to be a springboard for us. And uh, I think it was Anna Adams who said that um, God is a permanent place for us, so this is just temporary. And uh, seeing new people come in, people's lives, lives change. And I mean, I think life changes is such a significant name. Um, life changes, because that's what you want to see. You want to see a life really radically changed for God and by God. And um, I think that was the focus, is mm. knowing that God was doing amazing work there. Mm. And people were laboring tirelessly, but all for the love of the gospel. And then when we were at the Mullerton Church, that was the time when, when Henry had his heart attack. And uh, I mean, it's just amazing how that life changes family stood around me and uh, even the Table View family as well. And that's what I also love, is that we're not a Tableview church or a militant church, we are one church or a city church. Um, and just the support, the phenomenal support, uh, prayerfully supported, is, it was just magnificent as well. So that was, and another thing at Militon which was fantastic is when we had the baptisms in that huge swimming pool and sometimes it was cold and um, the people just went for it and uh, just to give God all the glory for the work that he, he did, they're still doing and still to do. Just, we thought we might be at Milton a little bit longer, but you know that things are temporary. And then moving to Seamount, um, that was also, it was a nice little venue. And once again, just the tireless work of the people, packing and unpacking, and I remember taking stuff down under that stage. That was really, really phenomenal. And, uh, but there again, because of the heart for the gospel. From there we went to Sable Square. That was also another amazing story, how God provided. We were in need of a building. Now I remember Gabe and Fee saying that they'd drive around, going from place to place, trying to find out where we could go. And then once again, God breaking through, choosing a place for us, providing it for us. and. Um, that was a, a more sort of semi-permanent, if I can put it that way, setup where we didn't have to unpack and pack as much as before. So it was a little bit of a breather in that. And um, once again, just having phenomenal services there, newer people coming in. Yeah, it's, uh, Sable, Sable Square was, was very cool. Um, I actually thought we'd end up there one day. And, uh, uh, I remember uh, it was it was on one one Sunday we were in a room there and we were praying and somebody put their cup on the edge of the table and while I was praying uh, the cup I don't know what happened and it just fell off and it broke on the floor there and so uh, 
you know, there was a lot of apologies and all kinds of things. But anyway, whenever we were going out, uh, Ginny said to me, look, Andrew, I know you're long-winded. And you put people to sleep during Bible studies and all those kind of things here. Yeah. But I never knew you could put a cup to sleep. So, uh, yeah, since then I've tried to speed up my Bible studies. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's it. Well, I thought there was such a, well, for me, there was such a sense of um, surprise that God had provided that amazing place. Mm. And uh, before we had our first service there, um, we took a drive and I thought I want to go and see what it looks like. And walking in there, I'm not an overly emotional person, but when I walked in there, I was just overwhelmed by the power and the faithfulness of God. And I just know that that Century City, Edison Way, is a place that God himself has chosen for life changes. And we're going to see phenomenal salvations and restoration in the lives of people. Uh, I walk in there on a Sunday and uh, I'm just so glad to be there. It's, uh, it's tremendous, the preaching, the people. He's just got such amazing, amazing plans for, for that church and that's why we have no doubt in our mind that our God who has given the scripture that nothing is too difficult, nothing is impossible mm. for Him, He will provide the finances that are required for that building because he has plans, plans to prosper us and grow us, but most importantly, to bring people into wholeness and fullness. And um, even those who once walked with him that are not walking with him any longer, I see them coming back because that scripture, you know, when you truly seek after the Lord with all your heart, you will find him. And I believe that's what we're going to see mm. happening there. This is the place. This is the place, and um, I've never looked back. And moving around from Tableview to Milneton, uh, to Seamount Primary, and to Sable Square, those weren't easy things to do because it meant um, change again. You know, you, you, we, we are creatures of comfort, and um, now your comfort's been disturbed, and uh, you've got to move and start all over again, and things can be different, and now in Edison Way. But at the end of the day, it's where our focus is. Our focus is on God and we see Him at work. And um, I think that's the important thing to know that we're not doing this for ourselves. We're not doing it to impress any people at all, but we are being vessels for God to use. And just to see Him moving mightily is uh, what motivates me. And also for people out there who, people need hope. And uh, when they can come into a place of worship and meet people and that we are there to give them hope because that is what we have to offer. And um, that's another big motivation to know that yes, we don't have the answers to everything, but we can encourage in God's word and build people of hope. Mm. Yeah. I second that. <laughs> <laughs> Bible says this in Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I don't know about you, but that couple's like an advert for a youth serum called planted in the house of the Lord. Uh, I've just had over, we've been here for nine years now and had the privilege. There was literally a whole year where Jeannie wasn't well. 
a whole year. And I remember going and praying with her, and we went, I went with Gabe one day, and we were praying. She could barely get out of a chair. So we'd start praying, and, and we would stop, and Vinny would start praying for us. I'm like, Jeannie, stop. We're here to pray for you. And she'd just keep praying for us. And it's just such an encouragement, such power to be in community together. It's good to be together. I'm telling you, the world's shouting independence. The gospel declares interdependence. It speaks it to us. It challenges us and charges us. And, and we come together, and I'm, I had one of my best moments. You know we do that minute mingle, and you meet someone, and uh, this morning Kasha encouraged us to find out what we're going to pray for someone. Well, I, I turned around to someone this morning. I went over to him. I said, hey, so nice to see you. Where's your hubby this morning? I don't want to give too many details. Away. She said, no, we had a fight on the way to church, so I made him walk home. <laughs> so he was walking home, and uh, she was at church. So, welcome to church. I'm like, that's awesome. Welcome to church. I love that. One of my favorite moments in, uh, in all. But, but as I said, today's a big day in the life of the church. Some of our people even tell me of taking friends and visitors and family through to the launch in Century City. And so exciting to see what God is doing. I just love, even if you ever get to meet Henry and Jeannie George, ask them about the church. Ask them about to tell you the stories, to tell you the passion, to tell you the stories about walking around buildings when they weren't built and trusting. They were part of the crew of 70 people who in the life of this church who built this building. I know I've said it before, but we can't just blase move past that. This building wasn't built by some denominational fund sitting in the pound or the dollar. This building was built by the faith and courage of South Africans who want to see the gospel declared in this place, in this city. And most of them have moved on. And some of them, when we planted our very first congregation, Milton said, actually, we'll sign up to go meet in the school hall again, set up again, and pioneer again. So I'm so grateful for God doing that. I just want to answer that question this morning, because it's the question no one really asks, but everyone's asking. Why are we launching a new church? Why? Because there seem to be a lot of churches, Mark. It seems to me that there's actually a lot of people leaving the church. And the stats would probably agree with you even in these years post-corona. It seems to be an expensive exercise. It seems to be a risky exercise for the church. Well, it always has been risky in our eyes. But when God sees faith, it's never risk. Remember when we launched our first Milton congregation and, and about 35, 40 people left? They were all from row two, three, and four. And I got up to preach, and my favorite redhead, um, Gabriel Phillips, wasn't in his chair, and row two, three, and four were gone. I thought, wow, that's uncomfortable. The gospel calls us to being in uncomfortable situations because it wants to challenge the smallness, challenge the limitations, challenge the lies of the enemy that we're allowed to settle on us that keep us small. And I love, even as I look in this room and I look at some of the photos of old as, as things have moved forward, I love the diversity, the color, the flavor, the, everything that God is building. I love it. Honestly, I can't live for a church for the young and I can't live for a church for the old. I want to live for a church that has, I write to you young men, I write to you fathers, I write to you children. 1 John 2. It keeps challenging us. We keep being reminded of the glory and wonder of being in community together. Three quick points. Why are we planting church? Number one, there's no plan B. Turn the person on your left and say, hello, plan A. Yeah. Turn to the person you ignored on the other side and say, hello, plan A. There's no plan B. 
God didn't go, oh, I'm going to try this church thing. I'm going to birth the church in fire. I'm going to, my son will come and die so that the gospel can be made available. And then I'm going to put a sign and wonder on the earth called the local church. I'm going to birth it with fire so that healings will happen in their midst. And poverty will be overcome. Solutions to world challenges will be overcome. I'm going to call it the local church, not life changes. Forget life changes. The church. There's no plan B. I'm telling you. It says this in Ephesians 3 verse 10. Paul's speaking about the mystery of the gospel. And he says, his purpose, his purpose was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Firstly, now. Why not now? Oh, the time's bad, Mark. The economy's bad. No, no now. His purpose he accomplished now through the church, through you and I, not through a pulpit and a preacher, far too small, through the church going. Henry and Jeannie, they're up on the screen, but Henry's never preached, I don't think, in the life of the church. But they call him, you know what they call him? In the marketplace, because he's still working, he's dominant. He's called the Jacuzzi King. He is the beast supplier of jacuzzis around Cape Town. He goes in and still. But when I meet people who Henry's done business with, the testimony is the kingdom of God. The testimony of Jesus. The testimony is, wow, incredible ability to love people. And Jeannie continuing to love people and serve in the most amazing ways. And when we participate in the plan A of God, we are participating in an eternal purpose. It's the language it says in Ephesians 3. Eternal. How many of the things in your life are eternal? other than Jesus and what he does. Nothing. Nothing. Your fancy high sense TV with all sorts of functions. Promise you now, doesn't matter what the warranty says, not eternal. These new brands of cars that come with a lifetime service plan and guarantee, I can promise you now, not eternal. But Jesus and what he touches and life he brings, eternal. It's an eternal purpose. Secondly, why do we plant a church? Simply this. People. People. Oh, Mark, that's a bit oversimplified. Well, maybe. My mom has not been well. And she's had two major operations in the last month that have probably saved her life as they discovered her thoracic arteries were 90% um, blocked. And they thought she had sleep apnea, so they were just going to treat that. And then one specialist just decided to do a last check and found this. We're so grateful to God for that. But it's demanded two big operations, um, invasive operations. And I phoned her the other day, about two days after the second one. She was still very fragile. She was on the speakerphone in the car. And I said, Mom, how are you doing? And she said, oh, Mark, people. I'm like, uh, sorry, boys. Mom's granny's still struggling with the drugs and the medication. She says, no, no, people. I said, what do you mean, Mom, people? She says, no, when I came here the first time and I was in ICU, I started telling the nurses about Jesus, and they started gathering. And then when they moved me to the ward, I was there for about five or six days. We would have a Bible study every afternoon. And then they heard I was coming back, and she was in ICU for three more days. They would visit her in ICU, and when she went to the ward again now, they're gathering. They're around my bed. We're talking about Jesus. People mock. I'm going, I'm a pastor. I should know that. And yet people. It says this in Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So Jesus went through all the towns and villages, all of them. You know, when uh, uh, some days, and it doesn't happen often, I have to drive from preaching here, and I shoot through the century city like I did this morning, and I spoke there, and then I made my way back. And there's a slightly shorter route if I stay on the front and cut across. But there's a one-minute longer route that takes me past quite a tough area in Cape Town where you can see things are tough. And about two months ago, I felt God challenge me. I want you to take that route every time because I want you to see because I need you to have compassion because you don't get to choose who you minister to and where this gospel touches. And we get good at sanitizing our lives isolating ourselves, making sure that pain doesn't come too close. But I'm telling you, the gospel demands we move towards it. The gospel demands we keep moving our lives towards it. And when we do that, we'll have a greater and ever-increasing revelation of Jesus every time. It says Jesus goes and he moves towards it. He says he has compassion on them because they were helpless, harassed, and helpless. People are harassed and helpless. And it's only the eternal truth of Jesus Christ and his authority that will bring eternal peace. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, you'll fall in love with people. You'll keep paying a price for people. You'll deal with your stuff, your issues, those justified prejudices. I don't like these people or those people or this people. No, none of these and those and those. Just his people. Just his bride. Through his lenses, we see people. And lastly, Psalm 78, verse 5 to 7. You want to live for something? Let me tell you about something to live for. It says, He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the generation to come might know God's praiseworthy acts, that the children still to be born might arise and recount them to their children. What in your life right now are you doing that will have generational impact? What are you giving yourself to? What passions are you pouring into that will have generational impact? Craig Clark came years ago and he preached and he said, too many Christians are living for the next three meals or the next three moments, but don't worry about the next three generations. And yet the gospel challenges us to be a people who are fighting for the generational knowledge of God. It's a challenge. But it's our challenge, and it's our privilege, and there's His grace for that story. And it's not the mandate and the purpose of a preacher. It is the church, the church. You are called to tell stories of miracles and grace, just like Donnie. You're called to it. You're designed for it. He wants to do it in and through your story. God says, actually, now through the church. Not a meeting on a Sunday. Please, don't hear what I'm not saying. If you hear church and you think that's what it means to me, you don't know me. Church to me is family. Church were the ones when my parents got liquidated at 19. Church were 25, 26, 27-year-olds who had no real need for me in their social influence, but invested into me because I was part of a life group. Church. 
Church are the ones who fought for my relationship. Who when, and you've heard the story before, when my car was parked out of my girlfriend, now my wife, Candace's house. But she was my girlfriend at the time. When my car was parked outside her house at one in the morning and I got a phone call from my life group leader and he just said, where are you? And in that split second, I thought of a million lies I could tell. A million. Like literally, maybe two million of where I was right now. I said, I'm at Candace's house. I said, go, get in your car and go home. Not. And there wasn't a single moment of me going, who are you to tell me what to do? See, because this was the same guy who when I had no money, got my first shift at RJ's and my parents had been liquidated that week and I was desperate. That was the guy who came in and bought a 35 rand burger and left me a 50 rand tip. When that guy phones you at one in the morning and says, get in your car and go home, he's fighting more for your future than you would ever know. Who's fighting for your future? And I'm not talking about your next best step in business. There are many people who can help you with that. I'm talking about an eternal future. I'm talking a story bigger than here now today. Jesus calls us to so much more. Jesus' gospel challenges us. Not to be cookie-cutted Christians holding on. If I can just do this, I'll be a good Christian. What a waste of time. Live. Live and receive grace for life. Live and encounter His love, His care. Live and find your heart moving towards what moves His. Live. And we'll plant churches together and we'll plant businesses together and we'll start endeavors together and some men will rise up and say, actually, I want to fight in the legal profession to see peace come and order come. What's your eternal story today? God's got us on the move. Life changes church. Pray even aloud, maybe saying, well, that's not my thing. No, it's our thing. It's us together on the move. I'm telling you now, the finances of this story have gone into making that story possible. Why? Because I don't need to just build a bigger building. I need to be a part of an eternal story that the generations to come will tell of a people who have faith partnered in something bigger than the here and now, chose to look beyond the challenges of interest rates and economies and, and politics. And I'm not saying we don't look at them, we just choose to look beyond them to see Jesus and His compassion for the helpless, the hopeless. In these times, why don't you stand with me this morning? We put it on the wall to make it simple. If you want to know what we say yes to and why we would say no to things that's on the wall, reach far. We want to reach those who are far from Jesus and far from His love. We, we need, we need to reach them. We don't exist for ourselves. If you want to know why the church exists, it exists for its non-members, those who don't know Christ yet. We exist for them. We have to be moved to that place because it's a costly place. It's easier to gather telling stories about our Savior who we'll spend eternity with. If you're comforted in the knowledge of that and wait for eternity to come our way. To raise up. I said it this morning, but Nash stepping onto guitar and leading worship for the first time and hearing his voice. And I went, whoa, that's my mate Nash singing. Just got married. Got on the move. People making decisions. What's the decisions you need to make? 
we use the language of next steps. Maybe Wednesday night and, and, and stepping into a smaller form we can grow and defeat some glut. Maybe that's a next step. I want to tell you it might be an eternal impacting next step. Because God's called you to more. He's called us to more. He's looking for faith. He's looking for courage. He's looking for a people who will keep looking up but getting down like Scott prayed last week. Looking up with eyes fixed on Jesus, but getting on our knees to pray. Every second sentence Jeannie spoke and prayerfully considered this. We prayerfully spoke about this. Talking with God. Engaging God. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.